Akwaba, welcome back to the Team Ghana U podcast, by size where you receive news, updates, discussion, and everything significant football and Ghana related. As always, I want you, the listeners, to be actively involved by tweeting or emailing us for discussion or wanting more information. Last episode, we discussed the international break, and this week, I want to discuss a few things. One of them being Zidane turning 50 this week. 50. When I saw this, I immediately went to the post I created on IG about a year and a half ago, which I think became a podcast. But shall we recite some, if not all of it? We post things past, present and future, and I think it's really important to acknowledge all three. Even more poignant with the passing of Jack Charlton today, RIP. But I often think we're far more concerned with our past glories in covering European football than covering or nurturing what's on our doorstep. 19 years ago, Zidane signed for Real Madrid. I remember it like it was yesterday. Question. Where did the time go? As someone who's worked in recruitment, coaching, I've seen a lot of players enter the academy system of all different nationalities and ages, from 7 and 8 and turn professional, youth and full internationals. I've seen England, Spain and Germany all change policies by way of development and yield success. We've seen countries who've had economic challenges in Brazil and dominate world football. I say that to say this. Our history is a story to be told over and over again. Phenomenal achievements. However, I think it's important to create and write new stories. I don't think we're yet to see the greatest generation in Ghana. I'm convinced. We may not be on the same page, but we must be pulling in the same direction. Coaching, recruitment, networking, business and media, etc. Out tomorrow, episode 20 of the Team Ghana EU podcast. How will we look back over the past 15, 20 years? That episode was episode 20. 50 episodes since and almost two years later. There were a few things, but there are a couple of things I noted which are important I don't gaze over. 1. Planting new season growth. And two, what will we achieve in 19, 20 years' time? I'm still an advocate for more, but more importantly, growth. But with that said, we qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. We won the AFCONs at under-20s. The women's under-20s qualified for the World Cup in Costa Rica. And Hasaka's ladies were finalists in the inaugural Women's Champions League in Africa. A lot to be happy about. Our June article is out. Yeah, I know. Very late. I said it'll be out a good couple episodes ago. But anyway, the title, or one of the headings of the piece, gripped me. Feminism in Football. As I opened the email and read it in part, I said to myself, equality is important and essential for me, but are we looking for feminism? Maybe we are. Great strides are required to bring it in line with the men's game. But with that said, I'll read a small excerpt that will provide a better understanding of the article, the title. Thanks to the greater media coverage since the first recorded female soccer match played on the 9th of May 1881, pitting Scotland against England at Easter Road in Edinburgh, women's participation in soccer has increased rapidly. It's a story that defies the stereotypes of sports for women. A game which at the time, according to the FA, was quite unsuitable for females and ought not to be encouraged. Thus, it wasn't until the men's team won the World Cup in 1966 that scepticism around women's football was settled, and in 1969, the women's FA was formed. At this time, football was considered a part of local culture that created opportunities for young people. Interesting. Over time, the fanfare went across continents, much that, by the end of the 19th century, merchants, predominantly from Europe, took it to the Gold Coast where the Ghana Football Association was established in 1957. This helped manage the football events dominated entirely by the then patriarchy nature of most African societies where football, for women, was taboo, just like getting an education or owning properties. As such, it wasn't until CAF launched the African Women's Championship in 1991 that Ghanaian women, like other parts of Africa, received the green light for the adorable soccer event. It goes on to say, when compared with male soccer, the truth is that women's football in Ghana is still in the process of gaining flagship status. I was recently recommended the book, The Hundred Year Life, which is about living and working in an age of longevity, documenting how we're living longer and how we're prepared for this, but perhaps what we will achieve. 
The Women's Euros will take place in the UK in the next few weeks, and England play the Netherlands at Capacity Ellen Road in the Friendly on Friday night. The game's come a long way. I've recently done some coaching at the Football Talent Centre in London, a centre for girls' football, with Yaz, who I previously had on a podcast. And with the excerpt of Zidane in the article, I'll leave you with some more about Yaz, but the Football Talent Centre. Yaz, if you didn't get an opportunity to listen to episode 41, is a football coach, coach developer, educator and content creator. He has a successful and very insightful podcast called The Coaches Network. Having already supported thousands of coaches in over 60 countries globally, he states his mission is to continue supporting individuals in achieving self-mastery through his content and podcast. The Football Talent Centre. Founded by Rishi Sean and Yas, the Football Talent Centre was an initiative brought about through the frustrating experiences, the lack of support and holistic pathways for aspiring footballers, in particular within the female game. Many of the founding members of the club have been associated with professional men's and women clubs. And despite the initial promises of longer-term development opportunities and support, their experience has been quite the opposite. At various points, this was either withdrawn or significantly reduced to the extent that parents were left having to fund their own kit despite paying subscriptions, much in excess of traditional grassroots footballing programmes. Given the lack of support from established groups, we decided to set up a new centre in Northwest London to support a performance pathway as well as all ability training through the recreational programme. Their aim is to provide opportunities for an increased number of girls to participate in football. And whilst not limited to, we'll be looking to target as many girls from underrepresented communities. It's the aim of the club to support the players with a holistic development programme which will not only be delivered through technical coaching, but a targeted focus on the development of physical, psychological and social skills with the support of multidisciplinary team including practitioners, such as strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionist guys and sports psychologists and therapists respectively. The club will be looking to implement a structured and non-linear coaching development programme and aim to deliver a recruitment process which targets coaches of underrepresented groups in support of tackling stubborn inequalities that exist in the industry. This in regards to players and coaches of black, Asian and female groups which saw 60 plus players and 7 coaches from historically underrepresented communities for the pre-launch. That's a lot of food for thought. That's it for this week's episode. We'll be posting as usual via social media keeping up with the stories in fold in the coming weeks. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, email us at teamgarnerU at gmail.com or tweet or DM us at teamgarnerU on IG or Twitter. Thank you, take care, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm.